Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Welcome in, boys and girls, to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. You're with your favorite podcast talking all things career, money, business. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my main man, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? Today, we are bringing you a career advancement episode. We'll be talking about a very important and timely topic. We're going to be talking about dealing with anxiety in the workplace. A huge part of our show is helping people break barriers, advance in their career, but it's extremely hard to do it if you're suffering from anxiety and depression in the workplace and in general. In today's day and age, we're living in COVID-19, it's even more difficult, causing many of us to live more complicated lives, having kids at home while we're working, family members we're caring for, experiencing feelings of social isolation, depression, and on top of that, you got to worry about your boss, Richard. Dick, micromanaging you even more than before because he thinks you're just sitting at home on the couch eating bonbons. Or maybe you got to still go to work and you got to see Karen at the water cooler. And she's talking about her and her friends from the PTA just started an anti-vaxxer group. And it's the best thing ever. Stressful. Stressful to say the least. For today's episode, we are excited and delighted to be interviewing Shara Ruffin. She is a licensed clinical social worker and she helps people with things such as grief, anxiety and depression and you know great thing about her story she has even dealt with mental illness in her own life so Serge what's your take on this first and foremost I love how you brought in Karen there <laughs> that little Karen name drop that's like, like, snuck a little um, bit of Karen you in snuck it. that in no yeah. this is I'm really excited I think having been in Silicon Valley for so many years and dealt with mental issues and stress and anxiety many many times I'm super excited to bring her on the show because I think it's important we talk about it it's important that it's mainstream and I don't think enough people spend enough time thinking about this stuff because we're, there's so many major things happening right now to us and we need to kind of deal with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to bring her on. Yeah. And I think there's just a lot of people in general that really suffer from it and, you know, they just don't talk about it because it feels uncomfortable. And I know you said like, we got to help clear up that stigma of what mental health really is. And maybe you don't. But I think for the most part, we all at least have people we know, love, and care about that do suffer with this. So I think this is going to be a great, informative episode. I'm going to go to a quick break. But before we do so, make sure you share our show, like us on LinkedIn, share us on Facebook. If you have questions, financial-related, career-related, legal-related, make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. When we're back, we're going to be with Shara Ruffin. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Shara Ruffman. Shara, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I am all right. I'm hanging out 
the best way I can in Philly. My kids are asleep, so I'm probably going to be allowed and they may jump in. But hey, everybody. Hope everyone's doing all right. We are happy to have you. Thank you. So why don't you tell the listeners a bit about what you do? I gave them a brief intro, but why don't you share what you're doing out there in Philly and how you're helping people? Okay. So I, hi everybody, I'm Shara. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker, just passed my boards in November. I am board certified in telemental health practice. I'm a provider here in Philly. I am just about to launch my private practice for telemental health. And I'm also getting ready to launch my first book. I purposely on all platforms, I basically talk about stigma of mental health. I have generalized anxiety disorder, I'm ADHD, and I also have a math learning disorder. So I tend to talk from the heart in terms of just breaking the stigma, starting with me, because it's important to do that. Um, I feel a lot of times we look at, you know, provider psychiatrists, any type of provider, someone that has all the knowledge, but they can be intimidated by them. So I want to break that by just sharing my own story and just connecting and sharing experiences. I'm also a mom of three. Just got engaged. I have a six-year-old, 10-year-old, 13-year-old. Been quarantined in the house for about 10 months straight now. And it's been, it is, it's been. Oh, it's been all those it, kids, it, that's got to be anxiety right there. Ooh, anxiety I can't. <laughs> uh, it's I been need. stressful. It really, it, yeah, it's been, it's been really stressful. I mean, I've had my own couple of breakdowns during the pandemic. We've had the rise, especially in Philly, different major cities around dealing with the pandemic, trying to decide if I was going to stay in work or not. I actually stopped working at the end of March. I was actually furloughed from my job just because I was an independent contractor. My time was up working in a hospital setting and I had to choose whether or not I was going to go back to work or stay home with my kids. And they had no one to homeschool them mm-hmm. on top of the fact that we didn't really know what the virus was at the time that we shut down in Philly. So we just like, oh, shut down. I'm like, okay, just going to fly over. We're going to get back to work. And I'm like, shit, sorry, I curse. I'm like, I'm not going to. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I don't know if I had to spend all my savings, had to get on food stamps. At one point, people are looking at me like, oh, you have all this education, you can work. I'm like, no, I'm worried about my own safety, yeah. you know, having anxiety. And for the first time, I actually had to get on medication for my ADHD and my anxiety in order to pass my boards. And when I took my boards for the second time, it was the mist that they were trying to bomb the convention center. <laughs> so uh-huh. because it was right the day before we found out who's going to be president. So November 6th was when I took the test five hours straight in a testing room downtown. And I'm like, holy crap, are they going to bomb us or what? And I'm trying to take this <laughs> test, <laughs> 270 something questions. And it's multiple choice. I'm like, shit, I'm trying to focus. So imagine somebody has anxiety. I had really bad, almost had a panic attack trying to take this test, but I passed it, man. And I'm able to now provide a service that I wish I would have had when I was experiencing it. I had to actually look for that help. So many people look for it, don't know where to find it. So I'm just here trying to spread the love, trying to break the stigma and trying to give education where I can. So Yeah, well, congrats. Seems like you have a lot of greatness going on. So keep that going. I'm looking at your background. It seems to me that at the core of everything is, would you say you just love helping people? It looks like you started out as a social worker. Would love just to hear how and why you got into this field. So um, in a nutshell, I grew up in a family, African-American community, especially where we don't talk about mental health. I grew up low income from two teenage parents, loved my father, loved my mom, but they both had their set of untreated issues, which had passed down to me. My mother has untreated anxiety. My dad is former military, so I'm also a military brat. I'm also a former military spouse. So I have another, a lot of passion for that community, but it really was me trying to learn more about myself. I found myself repeating dysfunctional family patterns, and we all have them, right? And as I got into school and college many years ago, we're going to leave it there. (laughs) 
It's like, no, I'm, I'm only 34. So I, I was in college around 2004. Oh, I'm older um, than you. Hey, we're both older than you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Our listeners know how old we are. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's what it is. Age is a number, right? But uh, nonetheless, I actually started out as a psych major. And I wanted to learn more about how people do what they do. Why do we do what we do? There's always a chain reaction from what happens in our mind to what happens before we get to our behavior. So I was really interested in that interaction. And so I was a psych major, but I bombed psych. <laughs> I did. It was more science. And plus, I was a boy in my class I was really into. So I wasn't paying attention to nothing. Um, so it was an intro class. And I got a C. It was my first day. I was an honor student. And I was like, I really want to help people. So my advisor said, yo, you should switch to social work. I'm like, what? Social work? Now, the stigma of social work, most people think that they just take away kids. So that was, <laughs> so that, that was my go-to. And I was like, did they just take away kids out of people's house? And they was like, no, we do so much more. If you get your master's, mind you, I'm a freshman. So if you get your master's, you can actually go into doing therapy. I was like, okay, I'm going to go check this out. And man, when I got into social work, switching over, I didn't look back. It's such a vast field. You can do so much more. I know social workers that make 30000 a year. I know people that make six figures. And it kind of breaks that stigma, right? Like, what people, you know, there's people that make six-figure salaries. But they do. You can do so much more with it with a master's in social work. You can actually do therapy. You can go into the government. You can be a consultant. Especially where technology is going now and the way people are branding themselves. There's so many skills that we have as social workers that are transferable. So that's my spiel in social work. That's why I got into it. But really, it was just me trying to find out more about myself and learning and trying to understand. And now that I'm a mother, uh, just really trying to not pass those things down to him. I grew up in an abusive household. I saw a lot of things I shouldn't have seen between my parents. And I repeated a lot of patterns, uh, my own dysfunctional patterns, especially with dealing with mental health and denying it at one point as a provider. So yeah, I really, truly, I'm putting myself out there because I think you have to in order to break that stigma, especially if you're someone in a mental health field, because we don't do it enough. You know, are you willing to be not only be there for that person, but are you willing to sit where they're sitting? It's a vulnerable place to be. I'm a therapist that has a good therapist. And I, I have no, I'm on medication. I have no shame in that. And I think you have to go there in order to break it. That, And that's just how authentic and real I try to be as much as I can on our platforms. And it's amazing because people will reach out and say, hey, thank you for saying that. Like, thank you for sharing your story. And you never know who you're going to impact by just sharing. And I'm on LinkedIn mostly every day, just sharing stories, telling things, hey, hey, I'm not in a good place today. Or, hey, I just got out the hospital. Or one thing I shared, and, and we can move on. I shared a story about forgiveness and trust. And it was me sharing a story about how I talked to my ex-husband's mistress for four hours. Oh, dang. <laughs> on the phone. That's intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the phone. Four hours. Right. She had a was baby. It like, did it yeah. start off like, hey, listen, bitch. No. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it actually, no, it actually, I mean, this is probably, we could probably do a couple of, couple of copycats, but it actually started out, she sent me a FB, it was a year after the divorce, but um, it was one of those things that I wanted to understand her, and we had a four-hour conversation just about what she was seeing, what I was seeing, and everything kind of made sense. I think we jumped in those situations, yeah, I was kind of angry, but I was kind of in a healing place because I wanted to understand and I needed to get past it. So we talked, we were cool, talked it up. And, you know, I said, hey, you, if you ever want, you know, my son to meet your daughter, we can hook that up. Of course, pandemic, we never did. But it was just a conversation that a lot of people don't have because they're so much into their feelings and being reactive. 
but that's just me. Wow. And those are the type of stories that I share on LinkedIn, which is wow. probably why my following has grown. Instagram, I do the same thing. Twitter, I'm still getting into and YouTube, I'm actually about to start. So I think the more we tell our stories, if we're willing to do that, to be vulnerable, there's so much power in it. Yeah. So I've noticed like when I'm vulnerable mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, those are the posts that get the most engagement. Yo, I think that, that's I- what pe- people are craving that. So Shara, why don't you tell us about the difference between worry and anxiety, right? I know a lot of folks, you go to work, stressful situations. I mean, I think a little bit of worry is probably natural and maybe healthy. Mm. When does it cross the line and go into anxiety? To me, the way I define it for people, because I don't like to be clinical, I always define it for people is when that worrying starts to affect your normal daily functioning. So let me give you an example of how that can affect your daily functioning, your sleep. You know, we all need to go to sleep. Now, if you're up at night constantly worrying, what does that do when you get up? Some people, they get very cranky. They're very moody. Some people are not able to really function at work well. You can miss deadlines. It's a ripple effect. Some people end up getting physical somatic symptoms of heart palpitations, sweats, getting headaches. I get migraines. If it starts to affect the way you function daily, your baseline, then you're like, oh, I need to get some help. For some people, it's so extreme that they end up not being able to go out the house. This virus has kind of exacerbated people's already underlying undercurrents of whatever they have going on. So the way I look at it, the difference between worrying about something is, okay, I'm just worried, a little worried, but it's not affecting the way I function at baseline. So whatever your baseline is, your normal, if it gets to a point where you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not doing all the things you would normally do that helps you function, then you got a problem. If it's if it's consistently an issue, does that help? Yes. No, that, that does okay. clarify yeah. it. If it gets clinical, well, like I have generalized anxiety disorder, that's excessive worrying. If you have it over six months, if it's affecting your daily functioning, like I literally have to take medicine because if I'm not on my medicine, uh, my trials don't help me sleep or my anti-anxiety medication, I literally can't function i wouldn't even be able to talk to you right now that's how debilitating it is for me that's interesting yeah so in 2020 i'll be vulnerable right now but i tried therapy for the first time oh good Uh, for you man i'd say everybody should do it like it should be a requirement i think everybody (laughs) needs it but yeah no there's tons of stigma because i remember thinking before when i was a little bit younger people who need therapy there's something wrong with them oh yeah it's really like there was built up things i needed to work through A lot of it was from work. I was stressed out at work. And when Lee asked that question, the difference between like worrying and anxiety, and then you even saying you needing that medication to just function, Mm -hmm. like it's wild that like a lot of people are dealing with this. But my question really is, they were like, oh yeah, you could take this if you have anxiety. And I tried taking medication once and it was the worst thing ever. So I think what I realized is like, I didn't need medication. What I needed was just changing some daily habits. What are your thoughts on changing your routines, whether it's exercising, eating better versus taking medication? Mm. For me, when I started doing things better, mm. I started feeling better. Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand. You, I always say that the body can't live without the mind. Vice versa, the mind can't live without the body. And you have to take care. Your body is responsive to stress every day. And it can manifest physically, which I think when people don't really realize or in tune what's going on up here, then it shows up here. It's like, oh, shit, I'm having a heart attack. I'm starting to really feel it. In my body, like what's going on here? And that's when I think people really like what's happening when they don't realize that it's been in here 
they've been taking it in, but it really does start with self-care. You are what you eat. You are what you see, the things that we take in every day. You know, it's been crazy with the COVID and the news. I used to check my phone. Let me tell you, it used to be, I have this app called Citizen App blown up like every five minutes, the virus is increasing, you know, here are the numbers. He's like telling me every day how many cases. I'm like, oh shit, like it's Resident Evil out here. That's my game. <laughs> that's my game. <laughs> ain't no green or red herbs. Oh, but um, that, that's where I used to go. Like I'm so scared. Um, and I have three kids and my fiance, he works outside our home. So he works for a transportation company where he's having to be out with his, he had three people that had COVID and I'm like, oh shit, do you have it? And I'm like, I'm breathing your air. Like, <laughs> but nonetheless, I know I'm getting off track, but you really do have to focus on your self-care, drinking enough water, making sure that your body is getting the nutrients it needs to function. Again, I always say when it comes to your mental health, physical things we go to the doctor for, Right. But we don't worry about, you know, our mental. We have to do that mental health checkup. Also, to kind of go back to the worrying versus anxiety thing, I always look at worrying as a short term. You know, if you're concerned about something like COVID, you're really worried about it. But worrying, you use problem solving skills to address those concerns. Anxiety is more persistent. It's persistent about concerns that can turn into unrealistic things. Do you, you know what I mean? No, that's that's perfect. That actually clears okay. up a ton. That clears up. Okay, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Because yeah. I can ramble off the page. I was like, okay, no. let me see if I can reel this in. No, that, that actually helped me because I was a little confused at the beginning. But now, like, I'm like, all right, this is this is crystal clear. Like, I know the I difference. Like, okay. So, like, what do we do, like, if we get to a point where, say, like, we're at, you know, the workplace. Yeah. We've been at a place for a while. There's a relationship with a senior manager. It could be a coworker, Or maybe it's just entering the building or entering the zoom conference and you just realize this worry all of a sudden jumped into anxiety yeah. everything that you described like what do you do to address that first thing i went to when i heard you talk about that is i'm surrounded by other mental health professionals so <laughs> i'm lucky because i can go to you know my friend hey i'm experiencing symptoms it was easier because i was in a hospital setting but for someone that doesn't have that type of atmosphere what type of relationship do you have with your supervisor? Can they openly go to the supervisor and say, hey, I'm experiencing some anxiety. Is there a way that I can take a day off or whatever? It really depends on the setting. If you can't, there should be a mental health department attached to your employer. So that can be employers usually have resources like the Employee Assistance Program, EAP, you ever heard of that? They usually have counselors on hand that have short-term intervention therapy. And usually if you need long-term they have resources where you can get long-term through your insurance that you're connected to. So I always tell people, if you don't have a good relationship with your supervisor, which you really, that's kind of a whole nother conversation. Um, but letting them know, hey, I, I'm experiencing these symptoms. What are the resources there? If you don't know them, connect to your HR department. They have an EAP program attached where you'll be connected to mental health counselors to actually work with you in your environment confidentially by phone. It's usually by phone, especially now. Yeah, so that's have, one thing. Uh, we have something called Lyra. Yeah, Lyra I'm Health familiar. To, yeah, and they, they give us like a certain amount of sessions each year. So I think for the listeners, at least in Silicon Valley, like just do some research internally. You probably have some they sort of have benefit that could mm -hmm. potentially cover this for you. They really should. Most people, most places do. And I have been, when I was an independent contractor, of course, being a mental health professional, there was an EAP department that we had, but I had used up all my sessions. So I was like, what do you do when you use up all your sessions, right? Usually whoever your clinician is should be able to put you in contact with 
someone in that's connected to your employer to give you longer sessions, or that just means you need probably an outpatient provider. And that can be covered through your insurance. Usually there's a behavioral health line connected to your insurance that's not connected to your employer's resource. So if all else fails, call your insurance. They have a behavioral health line. This is national across the board. You can call them and they will give you all the providers in your area that they can connect to you that covers your insurance. So bottom line, I always say, if you want to be confidential about what you're experiencing, I would advise call your insurance or get connected to either EAP or the provider you just named since you're in Silicon Valley. It's very important to do that. But there are also other things you can do if you're experiencing anxiety in the workplace. A couple of things that I thought of, sometimes we get anxiety from being around toxic environments, right? And you know, yeah, I have been in instances in workplaces where I'm consumed by people are just really negative. The morale is down. You know, we're in COVID right now. So of course there are people working from home, but what about, there are still people working in offices, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's still a lot of, so, you know, how do we ignore negativity and gossip? How do we detach ourselves? Sometimes you just got to remove yourself. For me, I had to do that. I've had to remove myself from people that can be toxic. If you're around that, you become it. You know what I mean? You're your own filter. So you got to be very mindful of that communicating, you know, not overextending yourself, you know, yeah, uh, setting like your boundaries body will tell you, right? Like, you know, yeah. when, it, when things just aren't right, you know, listen to your gut, listen to those warning signs when you're in that toxic environment. I wanted to pivot a little bit. You mentioned something earlier, Yeah. me and myself, so I'm black and Hispanic. I definitely think there's this stigma of not talking about mental health. Oh, yes. I, I didn't yes, start yes. talking about it or even I'm 35. And probably over the last three years, I've started talking about it. Um, Why do you think in our communities, this is the way it is? Well, I think there's a historical piece to it. I mean, when it comes to underrepresented communities, such as, you know, minorities and African-Americans, we don't trust providers. I know with African-Americans, if you go back to the Tuskegee experiment, there's a historical piece that kind of feeds into, I can't trust providers because we've been tested on. There's a big distrust in the community. If you look at providers, who do you see providing care? For me, I'm going to give you a good example of that. I worked in an institution where I love my coworkers, but they were all Caucasian. I was the only Black therapist. All of my population was Hispanic, underrepresented minorities are Black. Now you see the disconnection. There's a big disconnection. So a lot of times when I work with them, I'm working in the state. I'm like, hey, I live in the same neighborhood as you do. I would connect with them on a different level than my colleagues can because not only this, but because of the experiences that I've had. I'm not rich. You know, I've been, I've had my own share of issues. So I, that's how I connect with them. I think there's not enough of minorities represented in the clinical field. It's not. And it's a lot of barriers for us to get licensed. I experienced that. Having to really find people that are willing to give me supervision to get this license. It's so many systemic barriers there that I'm trying to help break by bringing other people behind me. But that's a no whole nother conversation. Yeah, I but I, I really think that it's a big issue. That stigma there it has a historical piece. The other piece is we don't want to be vulnerable there's a lot of hats that we all wear, you know, as a black woman, for me, it's, we're known as being strong. What is that for you? What could that be for you? I mean, in terms of your culture, because there's me, a cultural piece to it. Yeah. For too. me, it, it's like, it takes me a while to open up with people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that is like what you said. It's like that historic, you know, that could be the way my dad is. So like mm-hmm. my thought is, is like, I have two kids now. I think it's important to help them be open yeah. early and often. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise it's just gonna, that cycle oh, will just keep going. Man, I can't even tell. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I have a son. I mean, I'm inheriting two stepdaughters, but I have a son. He's six years old. And every day I say, how are you feeling today? We have a little feeling sheet and something you can try with, <laughs> with your daughter. Who has to pop up. She's wild. To- <laughs> get it? I mean, girls are a little different too. But, you know, with boys, I really want him to be connected to his feelings. Society will tell him, you can't cry. Society will tell him. He's not allowed to show emotions. I mean, anger is one that's common that's okay to show. But when it comes to your feelings, you know, feeling hurt, feeling pain, you're not supposed to show that. You're supposed to be strong. All of those stereotypes need to be broken. And I think that's part of it, too. There's a cultural piece to it. There's a historical piece to it. And I also think is depending on the culture, if you're talking about Black and Hispanic, there's definitely our own culture tells us we can't trust anybody on the outside whatever happens in the house stays in the house that's how i was raised period so there's a lot of different things that we need to break and there's a lot of layers to it yeah it's interesting because i think there's some trickle down in the workplace yeah oh yeah yeah. underrepresented groups you know tying it back to the workplace i think the way we were raised it can't come across the wrong way when we're not at work and it can Mm -hmm. impact people in ways that they don't even realize oh yeah if it takes me longer to open up with someone that might impact a relationship it might mm-hmm. impact a promotion. So I think as a whole, we just have to change that. Yeah. Yep. Go to therapy. And I'm not saying like, hey, you know, I'm marketing therapy. I'm really saying it from a place of someone who even as a mental health provider, I struggle to go to therapy. I struggle with that. I'm providing care, but yet yeah. I didn't want to sit in that seat. See how powerful that is to just say that out loud. And someone's like, well, damn, someone's like that. Nonetheless, it's a powerful thing for me to even say that out loud. A therapist who has trouble, who had trouble going to therapy. You know, I'm human, just like everyone else is. I think it's a real thing right now. I think it's always been a real thing, but we are getting to be more open about it. And we need to keep doing that. Oh yeah, I had a couple other ones, like time management. That's a big thing that causes people anxiety, right? When you have projects and things, uh, being realistic about what you're able to do um, in the time that you have, ask for help, communicating, staying organized, which can be hard if you're working from home, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're having to mesh two different worlds. I mean, if you're in an office space, you're able to kind of delegate, educating yourself. What are the symptoms? What are you experiencing? And really just reaching out and knowing that you're not alone. You're not alone. As long as we all have a mind, I always say that we all will at some point have fluctuations in our own mental health, period. Yeah, I love that. Um, Shar, one thing that you said that really resonated with me was if you're in that toxic environment, take yourself out of it, right? And yeah. that makes perfect sense. I've seen that in my own life. I've done that in my own life. But what about if you're in this environment and it's maybe due to a handful of people or just one person? Is it mm-hmm. worth, you know, you, if you're suffering from anxiety, maybe it's related to that one individual. Should mm-hmm. you talk to them? Is it healthy or? I think it depends. It depends on the type of relationship you already have with them already because it can be touchy, right? I was in a situation like that myself where I've had this coworker who's causing me a lot of stress and anxiety and we were in the same office together. <laughs> so I can't kick her out and get rid of her. <laughs> she actually became one of my good friends. We actually had to have a conversation like, you are causing me, you're driving me crazy right now. But we didn't have a tight relationship or anything, but I had enough respect for her to be clear with her that I'm struggling and I don't know how you're doing, but this is where I'm at. How are you feeling? Like, if you want to open up the conversation, ask them how you, you never know. You don't know. Why is this person irking my soul right now? That's the line I use. Because it could be that they're going through something, their energy is coming back to you. 
-hmm. you know, it's okay. I think to open up a conversation like, Hey, I'm struggling right now. It also depends on how far you're willing to go. If you're willing to tell them what's going on, or you just want to say, Hey, this is where I'm at. I need a little bit of utopia right now. But how are you feeling? Because you never know what the other person is experiencing either. It might just open up a dialogue that y'all both need. You know, I always look at that as a personal choice, not a go-to, mm -hmm. but okay. it depends on how far you're willing to go. You know, because everyone's different. Everyone has a their own boundary or how you're willing to communicate this to the other person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've dealt with a number of toxic people in Silicon Valley. <laughs> shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to Amazon. Um, Amazon, but, uh, no. Yeah, I used to work at Amazon. Anyways, oh. um, what I've realized and I've learned, I actually, I'm, I'm glad I went through these experiences because what I've learned is I don't think you can change people, but you can change mm -hmm. the way you react to people. So yes, I've started, yes, yes. I've started to learn how to deal with certain things that like trigger me or maybe like I can control the way I react. Yeah. Because it's not about me. It's really about them. They may have mm -hmm. something going on, like mm -hmm. you said. So like, that's what I recently learned. And I'm, I've been in, that I just learned some, this. That's I've deep, been in, man. That's, that's that really, takes some growth. It's, it's taken me like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But that but takes a lot of growth I've and self-awareness to yeah. do that, to do exactly what you just said, to step outside of yourself with all you have going on and be able to say, look, you're human too. You may have stuff going on. Yeah, you're right. You can't control what other people are doing, but you can at least express what you can express in the, yep. in the way that you can do it and where, let the chips fall where they may. That's just where they are. But you have to be comfortable thinking yourself to know what it is that you need and be willing to express it to get it because you don't know. And you only know if you ask. Yeah, I'd say for the listeners, if you can learn this skill early in your career, it'll help you tremendously, like for sure. It's emotional intelligence. That's what yep. it is. So, Shara, how can people learn more about what you're doing in telehealth? I'm all over social media. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I'm always trying to drop pieces of knowledge that way. Because at the same time, I can't be everybody's therapist, right? So right now, I'm also in a transition phase. I'm still testing out my own career in terms of whether I'm going to stay with telehealth or am I going to do coaching. And I'm also launching a cooking show. So there's oh, that. Nice. <laughs> so I'm always putting up uh, food things on Instagram and on LinkedIn. People are like, well, you just might as well cook on a cooking show. So you know what? That's a good idea. Wait, I want to be a therapist. Of that... What kind so of food? Uh, I cook, food? Uh, so I, I, well, I cook across the board. So I cook like a lot of different pastas. I cook a lot of boozy recipes. The latest thing I think I put up was bourbon chicken. So someone Ooh. actually saw me putting Tennessee bourbon in uh, some chicken and frying it. If you check out my LinkedIn page, I actually was on there frying a turkey. Not a lot of people know how to fry a turkey. I probably fired up their house with it. I actually did mine outside and actually show people how to fry a turkey in a turkey, butterball turkey fryer. So I do stuff like that. It is, the food is all across the range. I just decided to take that love for food and actually share those recipes with people. So it's a lot of soul food, but there's also other genres that I, I do pick of food. And I welcome people that are foodies. Hey, if you got recipes, you want me to try them, I do that. But I also wanted to be a conversation. So the show is going to be me cooking, but also me answering mental health questions. Because I always think that, you know, I want people to directly talk to me or me give them value through the knowledge that I have, even outside of just being a provider if that makes sense. So I'm still getting the show together, but it, I'm yeah. going to launch it in another uh, couple of days. So that, and try to figure out it, the telehealth thing, which is, is a beast trying to get all the pieces together. And then the Nintendo switch, right? Yeah, man, I'm on there. All, like I just, I haven't picked it up in a couple of days, but I'm gonna get back on it. Um, my Zelda and Nintendo switch. Yeah. I'm on there. I'm trying to get off Animal Crossing to do other gaming, but yeah, I'm definitely a big gamer. It's been my friend the whole pandemic. That's the one thing 
when I couldn't do anything else, Rise is going on virus for three months straight. That's all I played. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shard, thank you for coming on our show today. I mean, you dropped mm-hmm. some great value. You shed some light on a topic that, you know, like Sergio and I are passionate about. It's like really like clearing up that stigma and you're doing a wonderful job. So we salute you on that. Keep doing the great work you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me on. This was fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, anytime. Anytime. All right, everyone, we're signing off. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. Adios. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt Gilroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.